You're now listening to the Tax Smart REI podcast, your source for all things real estate, accounting, and tax. Here we reveal our secrets that can save you thousands in taxes, streamline your accounting process, and help grow your business. Stay tuned to hear insightful interviews with industry experts, successful real estate investors, and current clients on what strategies they use to grow their business and how they steer clear of Uncle Sam. Thanks for tuning into this episode of the Tax Smart REI podcast. Today, we're joined with Amir Dukic, who is founder and CEO of Rabu, which is a short-term rental data and technology company that helps you find, analyze, and acquire short-term rental investments with their suite of free tools. Amir, thank you so much for taking the time to come on the show today. Would you be able to give our listeners a brief introduction to yourself and how you got involved in the short-term rental space? Yeah, absolutely. First of all, Thomas and Brennan, thank you for for having me. Excited to chat here uh, today. Uh, yeah, a little bit of background on how I got started into short-term rental. So I've been a, a technology entrepreneur and also a real estate buff for a long time. And my prior company, prior to starting Rabu, was called Kick. I was a VP of operations there. And um, it was acquired by NBC Sports. So as NBC was acquiring this company, I started thinking about what I wanted to do next. Right around that time period, my wife and I purchased a home in Charlotte, North Carolina, which is where I'm based, that had a detached garage and a room and a bathroom above that garage. First idea was, let me turn it into a man cave. You know, this is where I can go hang out, watch football, play video games, do whatever. But we had two little boys at the time, I think a two-year-old and like a two-month-old, and me going into a separate, you know, basically dwelling away from my wife and kids just wasn't going to fly. So decided to to not go that route for the sake of my marriage. And you know, being an entrepreneur, I started to think, okay, what, what else can I do with this with this room above our garage? Um, you know, one morning we just decided, hey, why don't we turn it into an Airbnb, into a short-term rental, just hoping to generate some passive-ish income, maybe some travel money, something to cover some of our childcare expenses, right? So we furnished it, you know, at my dad, who was a wood craftsman, built some kind of cool wood furniture that really fit in with the neighborhood. It was more of like a a transitioning neighborhood with really kind of eclectic style. So I had him build some really cool kind of handmade furniture. And uh, we posted it in Airbnb, hoping to generate, you know, five, $600 a month. Um, just that we would have been ecstatic with that. Next thing we know, uh, this little 200 square foot room above our garage is paying the mortgage on our house. And we're like, holy smokes, like, this is great. Uh, we're house hacking without really thinking we were house hacking. That wasn't the goal here. But this is amazing. Uh, and this was about five years ago. So still relatively early stages of, of the short-term rental space. So knowing that, you know, I was at NBC, but only temporarily as part of the transition with the acquisition of the prior company, I started thinking, okay, I, I definitely want to do a company to start myself next. Played around with some ideas, but just had this thing in my backyard above my garage that was making pretty good money. So I said, okay, well, maybe we can get a handful more Airbnb short-term rentals myself. So at that point, it was just my wife and I we went out and got a handful more properties over like a six month time period, primarily multifamily kind of apartments within multifamily buildings and a few single family homes. And they all performed exceptionally well, you know, had really good return numbers, um, were just cash flowing. So, you know, we, we, we loved it. We knew we were onto something, but we were also at five short term rentals with no, no real technology able to kind of help us operate it. So we realized that in order for us to scale this, we needed to invest into a backend software platform. So I went to one of the gentlemen that was with me at Kick. Uh, his name is James Strong. He was the head of development at Kick. Uh, said, "Hey James, this is what I'm building. 
this is, these are the returns that I'm seeing. Would you be interested in helping build that, build that technology that helps us kind of operate these units ourselves more easily than the manual process that we're going through right now? So he liked it. He came in, we started building technology. Really, with initial idea being that we will build our own portfolio. But as we started talking to more and more investors, we started realizing that the opportunity and the need was in helping other real estate investors find, buy, and operate short-term rentals. So the original idea for Rabu is that we would be kind of the, the management arm for investors who are looking to grow portfolios. And we ended up uh, publishing the data tool for free uh, for our internal customers who evaluate properties, but that blew up. And now we're fully focused only on the data side. So it's been a long story. We've kind of seen the peaks and valleys of short-term rentals gone through COVID and see what, what that initially looked like and then how that rebounded to, you know, the times we're now. So we've seen, a, we've seen a little bit of everything. So you guys started a property management company and then you created the tool that is now Rabu for your customers, your your internal customers? And what was the purpose of giving it to them for free? Like it was just helping them kind of price units or? Yeah, absolutely. It's a great question, Brendan. The question that we got the most from clients to be working with on the property management side is, hey, can you help me find a property to buy or how much money can this property make? And there's some tools out there, some good tools out there that are behind paywalls that people could use. And we just didn't want to pay for those tools ourselves because we were a startup. We were trying to be cash efficient. So my co-founder, James, basically decided to build the tools himself for us to use internally. And the goal of that tool was to make it a top-of-the-funnel lead generation platform for our property management services, right? We would make it really easy for investors to find a property, to underwrite properties, to see what the revenue potential is. And hopefully through that process, those users would become property management customers for us. And that worked exceptionally well. Um, we were able to grow our property management business from you know 50 to 400 very quickly since we released that tool and made it public and free. When was that inflection point? Or, or talk about that inflection point where you realized, wait a second, this tool that we're giving away for free could actually be way bigger than the property management company. Like, how did you how did you even recognize that? Uh, you know, it's been it's been a process to say the least. You know, we so we made that tool. We we released the pretty version of that tool in early 2022, and we saw really good growth for, for it. We saw 40,000 monthly active users, and the idea was at that point we want to kind of be the one stop shop platform. We can help you find, buy, or and then we can operate it for you. But as the user base grew of that tool, fewer and fewer people realized that we did property management. They knew us for the data platform and the power of the data platform and the simplicity of it. So, you know, anytime we would then reach out to them, like, oh, by the way, what'd you decide on the management side? They're like, oh, we're evaluating property managers. We're like, well, we do that too. You know, there were a lot of times they were surprised. So the tool was so powerful and so successful in the sense of helping people find properties and identify revenue potential that they disregarded even the property management side of our operation. And while we were still able to grow that, you know, property management is a hard business. And we made a big investment in property management. We built our own kind of back-end technology to operate it. We were able to, you know, service over 400 properties across 30 different cities, all remotely with a team. But that side of the business just takes a lot of time, takes a lot of effort, and transparently is not valued as highly as a data or technology business. And us being a, a startup, having raised venture capital to build to this point, 
we realized that the core team had to focus on the thing that has most long-term value for all our shareholders, which, you know, is the actual data platform itself. So, you know, it was a process. It was something, it was a hard decision to make. We had invested a lot of time, a lot of money, a lot of blood, sweat and tears into the property management business. And to kind of transition out of that was a hard pill to take. You know, it's a lot of like sleepless nights thinking through it. A lot of conversations with me and my co-founders. Hey, is this the right thing to do? But at the end of the day, we made that transition fully in May and it was absolutely the right thing to do. Because even with this renewed focus from our team on the data tool, we're improving it and we're able to provide even more value to our users, which is now also, you know, helping us on the back end from, from a revenue perspective. So it's been a win-win. It's also good reaffirmment that focus on one thing and be really good at it. Don't try to do too many things at once. Yeah. Um, you know, it's easy to get lost as an entrepreneur trying to do, hey, what if it did this and this and this and just you can quickly add up and not that. lead I feel to that. Yeah. Isn't it <laughs> funny how that works? Uh, it's a good reminder. But it's interesting that you made that pivot from services to technology or, or I guess data aggregation. Because I mean, that's like, that's a heck of a pivot to make, especially if the property management company is like successful and working well. How many active users do you guys have today? So active users on the platform, last month, we had right under 220,000 people using our platform to, to search for properties. It is, honestly, it's been <laughs> amazing growth over the last you know 12 months, but especially the last three months or so. Uh, mm-hmm. In May, we had about 110,000 users. We were ecstatic. And then the seed mm-hmm. jumped to 220. Last month uh, was just bonkers to us. Um, so um, crazy. we think we're onto something. So for the roughly 20,000 people that are going to listen to this episode, can you just briefly describe what does Rabu actually do? We've, I realize we've been talking about the tool, but I don't know that we actually gave the elevator pitch on what it is. So describe what it does. Yeah, absolutely. So think of us as the Zillow for short-term rentals. So we want to be the platform. If you are looking for short-term rentals to buy, if you're looking for properties on the market that would be good short-term rentals, you can go to Rabu, go to the properties for sale section. You'll see properties that are MLS underwritten with our tool to show you what the revenue potential is. So we can help you find properties to buy. Um, so that's on there, free to use. Then we have market data. So we can tap in any market in the United States on a zip code, city or county level and do research on that market to see how many short-term rentals are there, what's the kind of composition of the unit types, one bedrooms, two bedrooms, three bedrooms, and so forth. What amenities drive the most returns? Really, what's the average cleaning fee that people charge? It's a really good research platform on any market that you're interested in. And then lastly, uh, and our most popular tool is what we call revenue estimates. Think of it as the Zestimate for short-term rentals. So you type in an address, number of bedrooms, and we give you a revenue projection that's seasonalized uh, that shows you, hey, this is what an average Airbnb can make in this area. And then we give you tools to go through your comp selection to actually find properties that are most similar to the one that you have or that you're considering buying so that you can get a more refined revenue estimate for your property. So the idea is that we give you the tools that you can use to educate yourself to see if something is a good short-term rental, it will make you the appropriate returns that you're looking for, and if it's something that you should pull the trigger on. And all that is free to use for anybody. Just all they need to do is go to data.rabu.com. That's awesome. That's awesome. How's it? I know there's some competitors out there. How does it differ from like AirDNA? Yeah, AirDNA is a great tool. I would not say anything negative about them. They they are kind of the number one tool in the space. They have the most traction out of anybody. They're different than us in a couple of ways. One, they're much more market data focused. So while we do have a market data component, 
they've kind of gone all in on the market data piece and have a really good thorough platform to research markets and get data from them. Uh, we're much more advanced on the specific address level. So typing in an address and going really deep on an address, we have more information there as well as properties that are available for sale. They are deeper than us on a market level. We're also uh, have different business models. They charge a fee uh, on a zip code basis to get that market data. We make all that free. We generate revenue through advertising partners that are on our site that then want to serve you. Help you buy a property, give you a loan for your property, be your property manager. So we often honestly encourage people to use both us and AirDNA when they're uh, on the writing properties and researching properties, just because, you know, you're not buying, you know, a $5 stick of gum, right? You're buying a $500 plus asset. So get as much data as you can, but we have a good relationship with them. We just have a different approach than they do. That's interesting. So it's free to use. So anybody could, anybody, short-term rentals, investors who are listening to this, go to Rabu and, and check out the platform for free. And you just, you monetize it uh, via the ads. Correct. Correct. So again, it's very much a Zillow model. If you don't want to click on the ads, don't click on the ads. But hopefully we've done a good enough job of finding the right partners that, hey, now that you're close to buying this asset, I can then connect you to the furniture company and who can get you the best deal on the furniture, get you to the right software company to provide those the property management software, get to the right accounting firm so that you can make sure that your your books are in order. There's a lot of opportunities out there that because the short-term rental space is so still, I mean, Airbnb has been around for 10 years, Verbo has been around for 20 plus years, but short-term rentals, vacation rentals as an asset class are relatively nascent and new, and people are still trying to figure out how to operate, how to operate it. So we want to give you the data to find the properties, but then connect you to the right resources to actually make sure that you're taking advantage of all the opportunities that are available within the short-term rental space, both from a revenue perspective, from a tax and cost-saving perspective, and then from a performance perspective. So we want to be an education platform in that way. I really like Rabu. I I love your tool. Uh, And I know a lot of people in our insiders community uh, that's the paid community, not the Facebook group. Also love the tool. Actually, I'm sure people in our Facebook group love the tool too. I just don't see it mentioned in there because it's mostly like, how do I qualify as a real estate professional? <laughs> right. Uh, but in our insider group, we have like deeper conversations about buying property and underwriting property and then the tax benefits that come with that. And a lot of people use Rabu there, which is really neat. I remember when I was acquiring my short-term rentals back in 2021, I did not stumble across you guys, but I was using AirDNA. And the thing about AirDNA, like it's a great tool, but I think I like was at like 160 bucks or something to analyze the coast of North Carolina because I was looking for a beach home. And so I had to go and buy mm-hmm. multiple like jurisdictions or whatever access to multiple cities in order to analyze it. And it did not feel good. <laughs> so I'm glad that we have exists because I think it, it'll help a ton of people kind of analyze uh, the short-term rental space without having to fork out hundreds of dollars for the data. And it's really cool how you're monetizing it on the back end too. I think that's brilliant. Yeah, I appreciate that. And again, I'm a fan of AirDNA. I'm a fan of their model. They, you know, to be transparent with you, we definitely look into having a similar business model as they did, as they do. But we believe that, you know, they're kind of the leader in that space that being in a sense, and I don't mean it's a negative way, the legacy subscription platform, they've kind of found their user base. And, you know, it didn't make sense to go down too deep down that path. And we realized, especially with a lot of the conversations that are out there about short-term rentals, are they really as profitable as you hear online, you know, the Airbnb bus conversations. We thought for the entire asset class itself to make this data available 
and make it free is just a great education tool that we can leverage, that anybody can leverage to research markets. So, you know, the interesting thing about short-term rentals, I like to say this every time we talk to somebody, is that, hey, Rabu, AirDNA, we can give you really good data points for you to understand what the revenue potential is. But at the end of the day, you as the operator really impact that revenue the most, right? The way you furnish the property, the way you set pricing up, the way you do guest communication. You're not gonna have Brennan, you're not gonna have the same property next to each other. We furnish it differently. We have different style of communication with our guests, which is showcased in our reviews. I can generate 50% more than you do just because I'm done two or three things different and better. So, you know, best way to think about data, whether it's from Rabu or from AirDNA or anybody else, is that we're trying to give you directionally correct path, but then it's up to you to execute it appropriately to get the full benefits of, of what's out there. Mm-hmm. I might butcher this, but I'm pretty sure it was Sam Walton, the founder of Walmart, that coined the term, your margin is my opportunity, right? So his whole thing was, how do I run a business model where I can have the lowest prices, but still be insanely profitable, which Walmart is and has been and still is today. And it's kind of like what you were doing, right? You're, you're going, okay, well, AirDNA charges. If I can do everything for free, then in theory, I can scale faster because people are going to use my platform versus them. I just have to figure out how to monetize it on the back end. And it's kind of interesting that we're having this conversation because that's actually how we built our CPA firm (laughs) back in 2016 when I launched this thing. And I don't know if our listeners even know this, but back in 2016, when I launched this thing, you could not find tax content online that was thorough, in-depth, and um, easy to digest for the layman. So what you'd have to do is you had to go into like these deep forum posts to like get answers to your questions, which, which just required a lot of searching and a lot of your time to get that done. And Bigger Pockets was a great platform for that at the time and still is today. But you could go on there and ask questions and you could like really engage, but it would take you hours to get answers to your questions. Or the other option was to go and pay a CPA for a consultation and get the technical answers to your questions. CPAs were not, and I shouldn't just say CPAs, tax accountants in general were not giving away in-depth analysis unless you were like big four level which was just way too technical and not in any any sort of layman terms that people could understand and so what we did is we just started writing and then tom and i started this podcast and we just started giving it all away for free we're like we're going to do deep analysis but in a way that people like regular non-accountants can understand and that's gonna be our model it's very similar to you it's just like we're just gonna give it all away for free and what we believe is that people will come to us first and we'll build a brand of giving all this deep stuff away for free and and having great content. People will come to us and a lot of people will come to us and take it to their CPAs. They'll come to us, they'll DIY their own stuff. But we also think that a lot of people will come to us, they'll listen to what we have to say. They'll believe that we're the experts. They'll also think this is way too complicated. I'm just going to hire you guys. And that has been the secret behind our scale and our growth. So it's kind of like a very similar thing to what you're doing. And I just, I love that type of business model where you can give it all away for free, but then monetize it on the back end, have some sort of cash machine on the back end that actually makes it worthwhile for you. Yeah, that's a hundred percent right. Very similar approach. We started off spending a lot of time in bigger pockets, communities and the forums ourselves, kind of researching things, trying to get familiar with, you know, how to find short-term rentals ourselves and then realized, Hey, like there's such a big gap here. And at the end of the day, I think our models are a bit are very similar. It's the it's in sales, it's the like trust buy methodology, right? Okay, I like this tool now based on this continued 
product and um, uh, value that I've received from this group that I like, I trust them. And now that I trust them, I need a service that's related to, to them, I buy from them. So very similar mindset. I think, you know, especially with the way everything's evolving with, you know, AI becoming a big proponent of our culture going forward. I think that is the right place to be. You need to earn people's trust. And from there, you know, business opportunities will follow for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Switching gears a little bit. I know you see a lot of things in the short-term rental market. There's been a lot of changes going on in certain markets throughout the country. What trends do you see in the short-term rental space right now? Yeah, I think the trend that we're seeing, and you, you've seen, you know, in the past couple of months, we've heard about Airbnb bust, right? There was that big conversation at the beginning of 2023. I think uh, it was even within the last few weeks, there was a tweet that went viral that that, that mentioned that in some markets, revenue had dropped or uh, RefPal, revenue available listing, had dropped 40%. Um, I think what we're starting to see is some hysteria, some some kind of fear from people that short-term rentals aren't profitable or they aren't as great as they, as they used to be. You know, a lot of people are not doubling down on that because especially on social and in the media world, people quickly see a little bit of a, of a fire and then throw gasoline at it. But from our vantage point, we're seeing a couple of things from a trend perspective. I think what we're seeing is something that was bound to happen is that the, the mediocre properties, the properties that should have never been short-term rentals, they're not performing like they did in 2021 or 2022 when supply was way down and demand was skyrocketing as a result of uh, you know the, the COVID restrictions slowly being lifted. So we're definitely seeing some of those lesser quality units perform worse than they did in prior years. But again, that's normal. You know, you no longer can just take any apartment, any house, throw some IKEA furniture or some Facebook marketplace furniture in there, take photos with your phone and expect to generate thousands of dollars. You actually need to become a good good host. The properties that have been designed well that are always were meant to be good, thoughtful short-term rentals are continuing to perform really well. Demand it's not going down at all. Demand for short-term rentals, demand for travel is as high as it's ever been. I think um, this past weekend, so we're recording this on July 8th. This past weekend was July 4th travel weekend. Um, TSA re- recorded its highest volume of passengers flying since 2019, since holiday season 2019. So people are traveling again. Demand is not dropping. Really, what we're seeing on the short-term rental side of things is I believe we're starting to see this space, and this is really needed, become professionalized. You know, not anybody and everybody and not every property, if any furniture, can be a good and profitable short-term rentals. You really need to run it like a business. You need to make sure that you have a hospitality mindset. You need to make sure that guests are getting a good experience. And if you do those things, you're going to continue to perform well, but we're kind of transitioning from a time. So if anything works to, hey, you really need to be a good operator to generate the returns that are out there. From an upside, from a return perspective, we're really not seeing much of a drop-off at all. Uh, now, you know, with the current interest rate environment, it's a little bit harder to find properties that were that are cash flowing as well. But even that was bound to happen, right? As more supply came into the market, the returns were always going to be compressed, right? So the days of, you know, your 20% cash on cash returns and, you know, multiple digit cap rates are not as prevalent anymore. And that's okay. You know, this is the same thing happened in the hotel industry. The same thing happened in the long-term rental industry. 
you know, there was initial kind of great economic times of return from a return perspective that then got compressed to something that was more stabilized for people who were making, you know, mid to high single digit returns. So I think short-term rentals are kind of following that path right now as well. So I'm still extremely bullish on the space. I think we're you know, actually in a spot that was to be expected that anybody who's been through, who's a seasoned real estate investor is not surprised by. They're not overreacting. They're realizing this is going to present both opportunities from supply and from a performance perspective. If you you know, make the investment to ensure that you have the right asset and that you're operating it correctly. I think this is still a great asset class to invest into. We're just going through some of those pain points after kind of the high of highs that happened right after COVID to now really kind of becoming the asset class that it was always bound to be. So at the end of June, and I think we already had this podcast scheduled, so we didn't we did not schedule this podcast in reaction to this. Uh, it's just kind of all ironic. Um, but at the end of June, there was a, I forget his name, Nick something on Twitter. He runs this YouTube account that I guess is all like a doom and gloom YouTube account. But he posted this whole Twitter thread on, um, I forget the data source that he cited. All yeah, the, 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 all the rooms. Was all the, the rooms. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it showed a 40 or 50% decrease in the rev par like year over year or something. And, and Twitter went absolutely nuts, right? First, it was like, yeah, well, <laughs> it, for, first it was everybody going, "Yay! All the landlords are finally gonna gonna get it, right?" Like everybody's that that is uh, suppressing inventory, which is a total joke. If you know anything about inventory and and you follow any trends, you know that even if all exactly of the right. Airbnb owners sold at one time, we would still like if they all sold or put their put their properties on market on the same day. I think we would get right back to normal inventory or something. So it's not like it would sink the housing market. Anything. Anyway, right? That's beside the point. What are your thoughts on that whole conversation about Airbnbs crashing? It's over. It, they're all doomed because you guys have the data. So was that even right. accurate? It was not. And, you know, all the rooms data was referenced in that tweet. And all the rooms has not publicly, at least as of today, as that I've seen, has mentioned anything on that. I'm not sure that that was true data from them. I'm afraid that it was manipulated to fit the narrative of that tweet. So I don't even want to say, hey, all the room data was incorrect. I, I, I don't want to speak to that. My guess, the more likely scenario is that it was manipulated or cherry picked to a way to make that tweet what it was. The other thing I would say is ourselves, we double checked our data compared to what they had. It was nothing, nowhere near the, the similar kind of num- from, a, from a numbers perspective. Jamie Lane at AirDNA did a really good job following up on that tweet. And I want to highlight it because he did a really good job. I, I reshared it in my network as well. And even in an update I sent to some of our investors a couple of days ago, he showed AirDNA's data comparatively to the data that was published. And that showed, yes, a little bit of a drop, but it was close to like mid, mid single digit drop. In some of the markets, it was actually an increase in, in revenue available listing. So our data was very much in line with, with AirDNA's. Airbnb also came out and said that their data was nowhere near supportive of that statement on Twitter or that thread on Twitter. So honestly, it definitely went viral. Last I checked, it had like three plus million views or something uh, ridiculous, but it's just not, it's not accurate. Anybody who thinks that that's accurate is, was just 
looking for something to complain about online and to, to pour gasoline on. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. That's, that's a good So, so based it. on your data set, you're not able to replicate what that poster was talking about. Nowhere near it. You yeah. know, a lot of the markets we saw even a little bit of an increase, but everything was within three to five percentage points plus or minus of what it was last year. They also got to realize that this was revenue per available listing. Supply has also gone up. So that obviously impacts things as well because there's more more listings than there were a year ago. So, you know, again, they, they were cherry picking data quite a bit to have that narrative. That so their released. data may not have necessarily been wrong. It just might have been cherry picked or something. So somehow it doesn't tell the full story is basically. Uh, yeah. And I saw Jamie Lane's post, too. And I, I think I retweeted that one as well, because I thought it was really well articulated absolutely yeah so you can absolutely design a data set to show what you want it to show or to confirm what you what you want it to confirm yeah the most interesting to me is that all the rooms has not commented on it it just makes me wonder that is um i'm not sure i'm not sure i'm not sure i really don't know I'm, i'm surprised by that i know multiple people even like industry peers have reached out and not heard anything back yet so I'm not sure what has happened, what, why that is the case, what the situation is there. But from all our indications, you know, we, we do not see anywhere near that data. And we all, one of the reasons industry peers reached out to them is like, Hey, can you share your data? We just want to make sure that we're not missing something, but nobody mm-hmm. ever back from them. So I, my guess is that this was cherry picked data to fit a narrative and, you know, all the rooms just, it's not in a position for whatever internal reason to, to comment on it. Interesting. Getting back to the more macro conversation. So it seems like a lot of our clients are not seeing any sort of major decrease and they're not concerned about it. The clients that are kind of concerned about it, though, have underwritten their properties that they're acquiring like now based on 2021 information. Right. And so I think it's just important to kind of point out that it's it's what you said. We're getting back to the asset class that it was always meant to be. It, it's stabilized. It's like the demand during the pandemic was pulled forward. And I think that's what a lot of people are finding out, not only in this space, but really in every industry, especially like in the tech industry, right? We went and overhired a ton of people. Accounting industry did the same thing. We went and overhired a ton of people and then later realized that we were just pulling forward demand because money was so cheap and easy to get a hold right. of. People were spending but now we're just going back to regular a regular market. Yeah. And so yeah. and we're seeing that in the short term rental space too. So it's like and I've seen that even on my own property, my my beach house, 2021 and 2022, super simple to get it fully rented out for the summer plus off months, like all you had to do is literally just take photos, write some good copy, throw it up online and you were done. And now I'm finding you have to put a little bit more work into it. It's not necessarily challenging or impossible it's just that now i'm finding oh you actually kind of like we said you have to be an operator <laughs> you have to actually yeah. put some time into it and try to optimize everything and try to you know change those pictures out and everything and uh, and i know some people were already doing this and they're way ahead right but i know also a lot of people were like me where it's okay i'm going to buy this great property in this great location throw it up online oh look at how easy it is to rent out and then all of a sudden 2023 oh it's not as easy right. as it used to be. It's still it's still fine. It's just not as easy as it used to be. I'm having to, I'm fine, and I have to put a little more effort into getting it rented out now. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's and again, I think all this is normal, uh, and I think those people that are good operators are going to continue to reap the benefits. I think what we're just seeing is an overcorrection, right? We saw an overcorrection to the positive 
during right after COVID in 2021 and 2022. Now it's almost an overcorrection to the negative, at least, you know, on the social media side, right? Where people are just doom and gloom and, you know, peak 2021, 2022, social media was full of Airbnb influencers. They're like, hey, this is how you make money, a lot of money on Airbnb. And they were selling courses and they were selling, you know, dreams and just didn't make sense anybody who was actually operating it. You know, one thing that we did even through COVID is that, uh, you know, we utilize seasonality numbers, we utilize historical performance in our projections on our tool. So we utilized only pre-2019 seasonality performance numbers in our projections, just because we did not believe that what we were seeing in 2022 and 2021 was indicative of what the market was going to look like long-term. So it was almost more of a conservative approach because... In 2021 and 2022, seasonality didn't really exist. You mentioned this, that, you know, people were booking at high rates in off months on the beach, right? There's usually a much bigger delta between what you what you can get on July 4th weekend and what you can get on Halloween weekend, for example, along the North Carolina coast of Bloomington or wherever. So you just have to be smart about how you underwrite it and not get too hot or too cold or on any kind of micro trends that you're seeing. Awesome. Awesome. So I think we covered a lot on today's show. So I know you mentioned it before, but if, if our listeners wanted to uh, check out Rabu, maybe they're, they want to use it for their own, uh, building their own portfolio. Where can they do that again? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, go to rabu.com, R-A-B-B-U.com. That's our main site. But if you want to go directly to the tools, go to data.rabu.com, data.rabu.com. Again, completely free to use. Love for you guys to use it. Check it out. Send us feedback on the tools. Let us know what you're looking for. We got some Really interesting stuff that we have in the pipeline around even giving more and additional data uh, to our users. So uh, excited to share that in the in the coming weeks and months. Awesome, awesome. So we're going to go ahead and drop that in the show notes for everybody who does want to check that out. Amir, want to thank you so much for taking the time to come on the show again today. Um, amazing conversation. Absolutely, guys. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to today's show. If you enjoyed the show, please find us on iTunes and leave us a review. You can also email us at contact at therealestatecpa.com with any feedback or topic suggestions. We are always taking on new clients and with the new tax laws in play, you really don't want to navigate this alone. Let us help you save money on taxes with your accounting and CFO needs. To become a client, navigate to our client page at therealestatecpa.com and fill out a web form with as much detail about your situation as possible. Thanks so much for listening. Have a great rest of your week.